Welcome back to Sleep for Performance Radio. What are you laughing at, Ricky? I was going to say, Ricky, edit in advert here. No, 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 don't, Ricky. You're gonna leave, I want you to leave this in now because what we're going to do is before we get into this episode, we're going to introduce the man behind the scenes. The Some people call him the uh, Jamie of the Joe Rogan experience. He's similar to that. But now he's going to start joining us for some of the podcasts. We have Mr. Ricky Christick, former international DJ, former professional DJ, former man of many talents, blue belt in jiu-jitsu. Almost, now, almost purple belt. He's going he's gonna to take out the palm packs this year. Now, currently, a psychology student focusing his efforts on psychology and a health and safety technician here with us here at Melius Consulting. And also, part-time producer of the podcast, a man of many talents. Jack some of all, master of none. Some people, he has, he, some people say he has none. So Ricky is our first time joining us on the podcast. Hello. How do you feel, Ricky? I'm pretty good. This is hey, exciting. I'm, you, I'm, you excited. I'm excited to be a part of it after listening to you bang on for the last six months. Yeah, he's even, wear, he's even wearing a shirt. That's how excited <laughs> he's about today. I forgot my tie, but... Yeah. He's not wearing underwear, but he's wearing a shirt. Anyway, moving on, we're joined by two guests today because our podcast is a special episode today. We're going to be talking about eSport athletes. And so, first of all, we're joined by Mr. Daniel Bonner. Daniel. Hello, Ian. Good to be back. Good to be back. You were on a previous episode of our podcast a few years ago when we spoke about some of your research in, well, a review paper that you wrote on sleep interventions with athletes. Yeah, sleep interventions for athletes, yeah. So, yeah, so we'll get into what you're doing in a minute, hence why you're here today in the office. Uh, Daniel, on the other hand, is dressed like a tramp. He's wearing an old polo shirt, a pair of shorts. His legs are quite hairy. Dunlop volleys. Really, Daniel? This and is socks uh, pulled up. These are actually my best shoes, Ian. <laughs> Your best shoes, and this might might go classy. this might go hand in hand while Daniel said his dead birth was nineteen eighty nine. So moving on, we have another new guest we haven't met before is Bo. How's it Bo? going? Oh, very well, man. What's your full name? Bo Amelia. So I'm the CEO of Ground Zero Gaming. Ground Zero Gaming. Yep. So there's probably some people out there going, "Wow, Ground Zero Gaming!" And I'm sitting here going, "I have no idea what that's about," <laughs> but that's okay because that's what we're going to talk about today on the podcast. Correct? Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's it. People can't see us nodding in the microphone. <laughs> so, uh, one of the reasons why we're going to have the podcast today, why we recorded this, was to talk about, uh, Daniel, some of your research. So, over the last few months, Daniel, we've been talking about different types of research you could do as part of a potential PhD. Mm-hmm. And now you've uh, put your foot on the gas and you're about to start a PhD. For our listeners um, out there who may have heard your previous episode about sleep interventions and understand that you're a clinical psychologist, uh, can you give us a bit of an overview about where this research is going to be targeted and what you're trying to achieve with it? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, um, as you know, Ian, so my my interests very much lie in the sort of realm of sleep and performance in, in athletic populations. Um, and so I also have a quite a strong interest in, in gaming. Um, and what I sort of thought was, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could sort of combine those interests? So basically sort of transporting a lot of the, um, you know, uh, the research you know, that um, has been sort of done in, in traditional athlete samples and actually sort of looking at um, esports um, with professional gamers. And so what we're sort of trying to do is is very much, I suppose, look into how well um, esports sort of competitors are sleeping um, and whether or not they experience the same sort of risks um, as traditional athletes um, and, you know, if there's any sort of, I suppose, need to try and improve sleep outcomes to try and improve performance outcomes. And so, Bo, you work for Ground Zero. Yep, that's correct. Uh, yep. Ground, Ground Zero, what do you call it? Gaming. Gaming. Yep. And you're based here in Perth. In yeah, Western we Australia. are. Yep. So what's Ground Zero Gaming? What do, what do they do? So basically, we're a professional esports organization, which creates a platform or a, an opportunity for young gamers across Australia to compete at the highest level 
both here in Australia and overseas. So you don't design games, you don't like manufacture games, but you create this competitive environment for them to play within. Um, c- correct. We're almost like if you liken it to a traditional sport, like a West Coast Eagles, and then in that we have multiple games under our under our banner. So if the West Coast Eagles had a football team, a netball team, and a basketball team all under their one banner, that's what Ground Zero basically is. Okay, and do people then comp- compete as individuals or as part of a team? Uh, both, both. So depending on the gaming title, it can be either uh, single base or team based uh, esports titles yep okay and do they play then when they compete in those games do they compete from their home or do they actually travel to a central location uh, both so because Australia is so large a lot of the online qualifiers uh, would base where they are living you know from here to obviously the east coast and then a lot of the finals are uptaking in, the, in a, like a land environment um, a lot at the moment on the east coast in Sydney and Melbourne um, and then from there if the team is obviously good enough or qualify for bigger events outside of Australia there's events all around the world mm. So Ricky you're a bit younger than I am in terms of ga- uh, understanding what goes on in gaming do you have any experience in this Do you are you a gamer? Yeah we I played Counter-Strike for years like from beta um, a lot of friends went over to do Nats as well yep. uh, for WCG quals um, Battlegrounds played for ages like that's I don't know how, I've, I've been gaming a lot less since I've gone back to school and stuff now it's just priorities I guess I still like to jump on every now and again but um yeah yeah I've, it was a huge part of my uh, part of my teens um even just playing FIFA stuff like that I know they got FIFA and esports and they pretty much cover everything from Dota and, and everything else which I'm is like, just happening at the moment Dota the big international tournament for 25 million USD so yeah so we used to do a lot of RF land should have more often <laughs> yeah. we used to go to RF land uh, quite a few times like, it's been a couple of years now but just did the, the local competitions there WA land back in the day when it was like in um, Frio passenger terminal off the top of my head but we're talking like this is a long time ago now so yeah it's been around for a while what, what's your gaming background, Ian? Me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to kick Daniel out of the forehead. <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you my gaming background. My gaming background was in an arcade called Carlines in Athlone, in my hometown in Westmead in Ireland, where I used to go in, used to put 10p in into this. Let me. It was in what's called a barn. It was this little kind of a slipway off the road, off the main road in town, went in this like, kind of horseshoe shape area. And it was this place called Carlines, which had dark tinted windows. And you walked in and the carpet was smelled of vomit, peanuts, coke, beer, I don't know, whatever, even though they didn't serve alcohol in there. It was a dark, dingy room. And all the cool kids were in there smoking from the age of 11 to about 16. And it was games in there that you guys probably aren't familiar with, like Double Dragon. I love Double Dragon. Uh, Airwolf. Airwolf. <laughs> uh, and uh, numerous other type of games like Donkey Kong, all these type of things, whatever was in there. And we put money into the machine, Daniel, and we played games in the machine. And that's what we did. And Daniel, you can stop laughing because that's what used to happen. Because back in those days, we weren't as privileged as you white gaming privileged people where you had these consoles. But then over time, we had things like the Atari 2600, <laughs> Commodore 16, machinery, Commodore, yeah. Commodore 16, Commodore 64, when you used to put in the tape and you'd, place, you'd like type in uh, load, return, and then you hit the, 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 the play button, whatever it was, and the game would load for about 10 minutes and it would crash. And um, yeah, so... I think actually in yeah. museums with those 
There is. Divorce. Yeah. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, please thank Daniel for coming on the podcast. That's all we have time for today. Because Daniel got knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Knockout for a performance. So, so like, I, yeah, for me, I, I've never been a big gamer. I played a little bit of, like, Nintendo and stuff like that and those type of things. I was born in the late 70s. So, um, yeah, I, I just... Again, like I didn't have the time for it. I was always away. I didn't want the military and other stuff as well. And I just don't really have time for it. Um, so I haven't really been into it. But I did want to focus my attention back to you, Daniel. Um, yes, sure. About uh, the demographics of this, because this is an interesting qu- interesting question. And by the way, there's people older than me that are crazy into gaming. So it's not mm, like it's absolutely. just a young person. There is, I know guys in their 50s um, that are crazy into gaming and love it. But what is the demographic of an esport athlete who is playing for this 25 million, as Bo said, or so on? What is the kind of general demographic? How would you describe these esport athletes? You know, Ian, actually, I, I might handball that question to Bo because I think he's probably got the... the yeah, yeah, oh, do you want to just write his PhD? Yeah, as, well, as, well, as, well, as, well. as long as I get the credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. So, Dr. Bo, yes. No, the general esports athlete as such is they reckon around about 15 to 30 give or take a couple of years and that's you know the demographic or the uh that's come through a bit younger than yourself and um that's when consoles like the playstation the xbox and that have really started to come to into its own and then pc gaming is in the last few years as obviously technology and the internet's got better the infrastructure has exploded in the last so people more do PC based type gaming as opposed that, to buying like yeah. you know um, playstations or all that sort of well, stuff well your more yeah. um, casual gamer will play on console yeah. other than a couple of games that are quite large like Call of Duty and stuff like that that's played on the playstation other than that mostly P- PC based games are like the general big uh, PC so what, why is that is that because they allow the connectivity to internet to allow people to play it's just between, just, between just the performance of the machine. So okay. the PC can get a lot higher performance for the game than what a console can get at the moment. So the developers can make better games for PC. Yeah, yeah. This is a whole new world to me, so I'm fascinated yeah, yeah. with this. I love asking all these stupid questions I've got no idea. No, that's fine. So the age between 15 to 30, how would you describe them in terms of then, do they, do they work or the part-time? Do they work there? Are they professional gamer 100%? Are they going to uni? Are they fat? Are they sick? Are they alcoholics? Are they drug addicts? What sort of well, goes on? that's probably the best thing about esports. It can be anybody, really, at the end of the day. Like, it, there's no typical, um, like, demographic as such. Um, we've got a guy as young as 16 on our squad um, playing, you know, after high school, after school and performing and getting paid a salary. As old as 27 with two kids and a wife, like... And he's also, you know, on the same team as this 16-year-old. So there's no generic kind of like stereotype, as you say. But I think the 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 image of like a big fat gamer that doesn't leave his house has kind of gone out the window a bit. A lot of these guys, if you see them like on TV now, they're quite fit because they have to be quite fit to be mentally, you know, um, you know, uh, perform at the peak. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, so these guys are quite fit they eat healthy you know they try and look after their bodies because it's a big part of what they do to be a peak performance yeah it's actually we were just talking about this sort of before when we by you know and i think sort of kind of need to sort of move away from the idea that um, that stereotype that Bo's sort of talking about where like you said you know you've got someone you know who's who's quite young you know overweight drinking energy drinks you know long into the night staying up until 3am in the morning um, and then sort of playing games you know that's that's a stereotype but I think what Bo's sort of um, sort of reflecting is that yeah things are things are certainly changing but that's you more st- like casual gamer that does yeah. does that for a bit of a hobby then you're you're like you're a lead athlete as such yeah yeah 
And so when you talk about this, this kid like that's 16 at home gaming, is he getting paid perfect, like full time? Like what sort of what sort of money just like is, is someone like that earning? So depending on, in Australia, it's a bit a lot less than the rest of the world just because how many people we have here and the exposure you can have to the game, just like compared to like the NBL to the NBA, for example. Um, they can get anywhere from roughly about 500 to to $1,000 Australian per week to play a game. So depending on how good they are. And what would be the top salary type of uh, e-athlete in Australia? In Australia, about $1,000 will be a week. at the top yep, per week. Okay, so they couldn't really live off at 100% really? Well, then you get prize pool on top of that as well. So then they, and any other sponsorship deals or anything like that on that. So that's just their weekly salary to rock up and perform. And then there's prize pool on top of that. So the so what's the top earner? Who's like the Michael Jordan of esports well, in Australia? And what would they be earning? It's actually a, a young fella on the East Coast who played in the Dota International who won it last year. And I think he walked away with about two and a half million USD for yeah. one tournament. For one tournament, plus mm-hmm. you get paid plus, week, plus paid, sponsorship, plus everything. Sponsorship, plus so everything you can talk maybe, you know, maybe it's, three million. It's undisclosed, but yeah. Undisclosed, yeah. but roughly about three roughly, million. Yeah. So there's money in this, is what I'm trying to get. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And so it's not kind of a, a sport where people passively kind of go, because I think a lot of people would be like, oh, gaming, mm-hmm. you know, oh, mm-hmm. how, really? Mm-hmm. But if this is, you know, a mil- multi million, yep. potentially billion dollar industry, then obviously it's going to have benefit. And I would, and by virtue of your job yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not going to be getting paid just like for you know to have these type of organizations like ground zero yep, where there's no money in it. obviously mm-hmm. there's a, a there's an economic benefit to it yeah of course so these organizations organizations obviously pop up so how many of these type of organizations like ground zero are there in australia ah oh, there's heaps because really at the end of the day it's not really regulated at the moment so anyone can start one like any business really um but it's how you perform how you set your business up the structures you put in place and the opportunities you can give these young young guys and girls and so for people like yourself in that type of business are you guys coming from have you been gamers yourself are you more software type guys are you marketing or what's pretty much exactly where i come from i I was like ricky come back from the gaming side when i was in my teenagers then went away, travelled, got a job, got a wife, did all those silly things, and then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I found out. How did you hear that? Did you hear that, Paul? Yeah. That's the sound of the door getting locked behind you as you leave. <laughs> You're gone. <laughs> yeah. um, and then what's happened in the last five years? Because they reckon esports as a really commercial entity is only uh, industry. Sorry, has only really taken off properly in the last five years. Uh, and I kind of came back into it and uh, the IT guy at work actually just said to me, hey, have you seen this? And I've checked it out and I've gone, wow, this is like a booming industry waiting to happen about two, three years ago and just looked into a bit more and then the opportunity came back up for us to get into it and myself to get into it and start something up from the ground up, pardon the pun, and then we went from yeah. there. From ground zero to ground yeah, zero. Exactly. Yeah. And what's your background then, Bob? Did you come over, did you like for a profession, did you go to school for a profession or? No, what I've got a sales and marketing background. Sales and marketing background, yeah. okay, okay, excellent. All right, that's interesting. So um, I think Daniel, was it was it you sent it to me or did I send it to you? Were we discussing an Economist article a while ago that we saw about esports being a billion dollar industry worldwide? Was that me and you discussing that? Could have been, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it is absolutely a billion dollar industry, isn't it? I think. Yeah, um, and just Globally, growing exponentially yeah. as well. Yeah, I think yeah. the New Zoo. Uh, you would have seen that article, but I think um, they reckon it's had about thirty percent growth year on year. Yeah, which is 
would have to be one of the biggest industries in, or fast growing industries in the world right now. There's about 380 million global annual viewers, um, and that's I think. So people watch it as well. Oh, that's uh, the money is, yeah. absolutely, yeah. So it's advertisers—that's that's how, how they, they get the money. Yeah, people want to show their adverts. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Bo, but I think there was one tournament in 2017 that drew a um, hundred million viewers. Yep. which was more than the Super Bowl this year, I think. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. there's some big, there's some big numbers watching. Uh, but I mean, of course, Ricky, where are we in this business? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing, Ricky? Where, weren't you at that tournament? Well, you can be. I'll give you my card after. <laughs> <Jesus>. the <game. laughs> I missed out on the marijuana boom. I missed out on the esports boom. <laughs> ridiculous all oh, right that's a that's a that's crazy yeah well we just got back from new york and we competed in a a, a rocket league championship over there um for five hundred fifty thousand usd and i think one of our matches had at one at one time about two hundred fifty thousand concurrents on the streaming service so it's two hundred fifty thousand people watching a little perf team so streaming platforms have really i think helped esports twitch right yeah mm. yeah I love this. This is normally in a podcast, I'm like I'm all over the terminology. This, this is the first podcast I've done. I'm like, I've no idea what you're doing. A question that I have actually is um, I know that, like in, in Sweden, for example, with Ninjas in Pajamas, they've been a massive team pulling in a lot of money for at least the last decade. I mean, a lot of them are looked at like superstars as well um, within their country. What's Australian esports shaping? I know, I know it's grown. Like I'm, I've got a few friends who, I don't know if you know Chad. Um, Sponge, who does a lot of announcing for um, for Counter Strike. I know his dad, Spongehead Bob. (laughs) Yeah, I've been friends with him since since way back when. Um, So I have seen it grow, like you know, from now uh, from then to now. How are we looking now, shaping up compared to places like Sweden in terms of size and and how much money and profit we generate here? Oh, we're still a long way off. It's like yeah, obviously, Australia yeah. in general, in any kind of how we how we do things, we're always probably five to ten years away from the rest of the world, and that's how I seen. Just getting back from the US myself, we couldn't walk fifty meters without getting harassed and mobbed by people to get our guys' autographs and stuff like that. Where here in Australia, we could quite easily walk down the street, and you know, the general general public wouldn't you know recognize the guys. But it it's getting more. Like it's it's progressing. Uh, like these guys literally have fan bases now within Australia. It's just not you're just not a household name just yet. So Daniel, mm. why did you want to become an esports athlete researcher? Is it because you're just your own interest in gaming growing up, or was it because you saw an opportunity with this kind of economic boom that's happening, so to speak? Um, so what what kind of attracted you to doing research in this area? Yeah, it was a combination of all those things. So, it like you know, like we sort of said at the start, I've got a real passion for sleep and performance research, um, and I do have an interest in gaming as well. And I just sort of looked at the the area and sort of saw, I suppose, a lot of opportunity to really do some cool and interesting research um, in an area that I'm quite passionate about. Um, and thought, yeah, you know, we can really do some quite cool stuff in this space. Um, you know, in an area that. To be to be honest, I mean, there's not much research in mm. the esports space at all, anyway, in any sort of capacity. Is there any? That's what I was going to ask you. Is there actually anything out there about the kind of general physiology of an esport athlete? Any sort of observational papers? Any sort of opinion pieces? Very, very little. Like literally next to nothing. So in Australia, actually, in Australia, there's um, some really cool research groups around that are starting to make a a bit of sort of track get a bit of traction in this space um like for example at um, queensland uni of um tech so they've got like a whole esports 
um, research center. Actually, they're investing huge money um, up there um, and they've got like a whole, well, not a, obviously a whole bunch of researchers, but they've got like a team of researchers up there from different disciplines. So you've got sort of psychology researchers, you've got um, uh, like dietetic researchers as well um, doing some stuff up there. So, so taking that combined approach to it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Very holistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you've definitely got research groups that are popping up, but in terms of actual research out there, there's next to nothing. Um, so went from a sleep perspective there is nothing i mean we literally just published the first paper um to do with sleep um and performance and and that's the first one and that was just an opinion piece um, so, so tell us about that opinion piece daniel what did you where was that published and kind of what did you talk about yeah so it was published in sleep health and i suppose what we sort of wanted to do was when we looked at at the area and we sort of realized it was literally nothing um going on from a from a research perspective we sort of thought right so we, you know where do we start here um and we thought right well maybe you know an opinion piece just sort of i suppose positioning um you know, I suppose our perspective that this is an area that should be looked into was what we were really sort of trying to, to sort of aim for. And so what we sort of did was we looked at the traditional athlete research um, and tried to, as best we could, sort of apply current findings to the esports space and just sort of, I suppose, um, speculated about how those findings might apply to esports. So Daniel, you published this opinion piece. Uh, when does it get released? Um, it's it's actually not even online yet. It's what? still it's what? The, the, the you're <laughs> dropping like this is this so, isn't fake news now. This is no real. no no. This is a, it's uh, the we've sent the proofs back and it's, it should be literally like within the week I think within the week and it'll be available online. So yeah, uh, by yeah. the time this podcast episode comes out, um, it, it'll be online. Oh, there, we should there be is, put into the show notes. There is a preprint online already, um, but the the official paper. Um, uh, hasn't come online yet, so the, it's still with the publisher, and that would be free for people to access. Would the preprint is the, pre um, the okay. official copy won't be. Really? Mm. I thought they just let an opinion piece go out there to try and attract readers. No, not this publisher. Goddamn <laughs> journals, <laughs> academic <laughs> institutions taking our money. Don't get me started on that. That's why I don't work in academia as well. Another, another reason. That's another conversation. Another, another conversation. We'll have that as, 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 as a conversation over uh, a rifle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I get distracted now. Okay, so that we can look at the preprint for that as well. Was there any kind of two or three things that, from your opinion piece that you recommend that should be researched? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, um, the main sort of gist of, the, of our opinion piece was, was a couple of different points. The first being that... Um, uh, because, you know, as anyone that sort of listens to this podcast is well aware, well aware um, you know, sleep is, is important for performance. And the thing with um, esports is that there is a huge emphasis on cognitive abilities, um, which sort of probably means that, um, uh, that players are more vulnerable to the effects of sleep loss than maybe traditional athletes who have a, have a more variable combination of physical and cognitive abilities that they rely on. And so, um, yeah, players could be potentially more at risk of the effects of sleep loss because of that emphasis on cognitive abilities. So that was sort of the first sort of point that we really made. Um, and the second point was that um, just like traditional athletes um, who sort of experience, you know, a, a certain level of risk for suboptimal sleep outcomes, that um, uh, esports players also experience, um, you know, a high risk of, of suboptimal sleep outcomes as well um, due to sort of some overlapping risk factors with traditional athletes, but also, um, you know, some unique risk factors as well that sort of are specific to esports. Yeah, yeah. So, Bo, when you deal with um, eSport athletes yourself, what do, you, what do you see coming up from kind of on the ground at the moment? What do you see as the issues in terms of, let's say, physical performance or recovery, such as sleep or diet, nutrition, 
you know, the ability to maintain probably vigilance for a specified period of time or over multiple days in these, mul- I presume there's multi-day tournaments and stuff like that. Yep. What, what do you see as the emerging issues coming out as well, that from a business perspective? The biggest thing you see, especially in Australia, because we're still emerging, so a lot of guys are either still going to school or still have their, their, their job or whatsoever. So a lot of the tournaments are in the late evening. So they're using a lot of the energy drinks or high sugary snacks or whatever to keep themselves awake. And the biggest problem a lot of these guys are having, it's shutting off afterwards as well. So it's like playing a game of basketball really late at night and your mind's still going 100 miles an hour. They're going to try and get to sleep. So what a lot of them do, they'll jump back online and stream or play casually until, you know, the wee hours in the morning. Then they've got to get up and go to school or get a job or whatever like that. So, And if you do that five, six, seven days a week or whatever, it can it can have a massive effect. You can see it. We've got a 26-year-old at the moment playing with us that Daniel's actually going to do some stuff with him as we move forward um, who's actually trying to go to bed early now because it was affecting his work his home life the whole lot because he couldn't sleep until 2-3 o'clock in the morning then he have to be at work at 7-8 o'clock in the morning so Mm. So Daniel, this is perfect for you in terms of your background from being a clinical psychologist and working with people with sleep disorders this is a perfect probably way for you to kind of build upon some of your clinical practices as well to, to build upon this and use this in these type of research activities or with these uh, yeah, e-sport athletes because if they do obviously come up with these issues you can then maybe potentially develop intervention programs that you could use to deploy with these athletes. Yeah absolutely and I mean that's that's exactly what we're sort of looking at now actually so um, following this opinion piece sort of what we're sort of trying to do is um, set up an intervention a sleep intervention essentially um, so sort of measuring you know what the um, getting a baseline measure and sort of observing you know what the sleep habits are of these of these players um, and then sort of trying to design a, a sleep intervention um, that sort of fits with with you know with the sort of typical lifestyle um, of these esports athletes. Yeah. So when we get into the practicality about measuring people's sleep, such as these esport athletes, how are you going to measure the sleep in these athletes? Yeah. So we. Um, you know, in terms of, I suppose, different sleep measures, you can go one of two ways. You can go with sub- subjective sleep measures, so things like sleep diaries, but they do have problems and people aren't necessarily that accurate um, at sort of estimating their own sleep. So what we're sort of going to use instead um, are these sort of sleep tracking devices, which are a more objective measure of, of sleep. Um, so, and so just give a, a much better account and true reflection of what their sleep's actually like. So um, the device that we're sort of using is this um, device device called a, called a ready band um, and the benefit actually of this particular device is not only does it measure sleep but it also actually gives us um, an indication um, of their alertness during the day as well yeah full disclosure here i am now the uh, scientific chair <laughs> for that company fatigue science who provides the ready band and also as well i validate that technology in laboratory as part of my phd but it was also validated by the u.s military don't look at me like that ricky i'm being honest I'm not telling lies. Also validated by myself. Do you validate it, Ricky? Did you? No, but I wore it. <laughs> oh, okay. right. So Ricky's iometer validated the technology. Good one, Ricky. Year one in psychology, and he's he's doing PhD level research. Good man, Ricky. What did I say to you about jumping ahead of yourself? Huh? <laughs> but I mean, the good thing about these ready bands, though, you know, is that they have been validated in athlete samples, and so that's you know that's why we ch- I mean you know that's why we chose them in the end. Yeah, it yeah. makes it easier to use it easier. athletes yeah. as well. And I'm actually interested to see how they go within these esport athletes, how how they like them or how they how they how they use them. You know, what's the kind of the user acceptance of it? Because we all know what technology, particularly. Um, so whilst I think it's interesting, a lot of people like technology, 
for gaming or interacting with stuff at work for productivity, the minute you start using technology to assess things around health or around safety, people then start kind of curling up one eye and going, mm, what's this all about? So it's interesting to see for people, particularly esport athletes who are so engaged with technology, how engaged would yeah. they be with this yeah. other technology and how is that going to work? It's, it's interesting you make that point actually because, um, you know, sort of, sort of entering the industry and sort of talking to people, one of the things that I sort of picked up fairly quickly um, was that teams weren't that interested in subjective measures and the players weren't that interested in subjective measures either. Really? You know, that they wanted more objective measures and so um, that was the other benefit of using, you know, a sleep tracking device like a ready band, for example, um, is that it sort of probably fits more with what the players want anyway. They want that more objective data. And, I mean, you can sort of correct me if I'm wrong here, Bo, but d- does that just have to do with, like, this sort of idea around objective data? Like, like what's your sort of, I suppose... Um, perception of why players want that more objective data well they're just just more than any they're just the kids nowadays they just want to know the answer really at the end of the day and with i was speaking with the the older player today about i was coming in to tell him we're coming to this what do you point to me when you say older player well (laughs) he's 26 i'm 41 like come on older older player um and he, he well his biggest um with the ready band when I explained to him what it was he goes mate I've got two kids and a dog and a wife all sleeping in the same bed and when I've used my mobile phone or whatever well they all end up in the same bed um, at the end of the night and um, with the mobile phone and those other app kind of um, sleep devices to see what he sleeps like he hasn't got you know correct uh, correct readings or anything like that but also none of these guys want to do anything that takes away from their day to day kind of practice schedules or stuff like that so what i'll explained to daniel when we first had our catch-up is basically if you don't take them out of their generic routine and you can just give them an answer from what their day-to-day they're getting it's probably the you're going to get the best outcome the most like accurate outcome and this is one of the things we see in either industry or with athletes as well is if we start looking at measuring sleep in an artificial environment by dragging somebody out and putting them into a laboratory it's not really representative of a night's sleep and we only really do that to diagnose somebody with a sleep disorder so tracking people's sleep for multiple nights these type of devices are really kind of cool for doing that if you pick the right device in terms of one that's been validated and um is user friendly, you know, such as a ready band because it synchronizes a phone. Um, but what's interesting is, Daniel, and you might find this when you start getting into publishing your research, is that when you start publishing in sport journals, lots of traditional sport journals actually want the subjective stuff, mm. which is really weird because if we talk about sleep, as you well know, PSG is sort of the gold standard and actigraphies after that. But if you had sleep diaries, you would have a very poor chance of getting it published. But when you go to a sports journal, they want to ask you about well, was there sleep diaries? I'm like, well, we had polysomnography and we had actigraphy, far superior measures, and you want subjective sleep data that's highly variable? And they're going, yes, because that's actually very important. Well, it might be if you're looking at the relationship between objective and self-reported, it might be. It might be important for the fact that, well, really there's you know an issue here, but people are really crap at reporting sleep, like we said. But really, like the less self-reported data we have, the better in terms of sleep. Because I think it's really interesting. If I asked anybody now in this room, or even probably one of the listeners, what we said five minutes ago, they would probably get arse about face and get it wrong. 
But somehow or another, when we're asleep, we have this idea that we can extract ourselves from an unconscious being and we monitor our own sleep, which I found ama- I find amazing why people go, no, I slept great last night. No, I don't know I've had a bad night's sleep. It's really weird how people get so defensive about sleep when they're in this unconscious state as if to have some way of regulating themselves and understanding what's going on. So it's really interesting, this whole thing between subjective and objective. So I'm really glad to hear that these sport athletes are themselves more towards the objective. But probably when you go to start publishing, they might be asking for subjective. So don't get surprised if they come back and ask you some really stupid questions. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, in terms of subjective measures, I mean, um, you know, typically like people who are sleeping poorly, for example, tend to um, overestimate wakefulness during the night and and good sleepers can actually um, have the opposite problem where they overestimate how good their sleep is. So, yeah, I mean, there are lots of challenges with subjective measures, um, but yeah, I take your point. There might be pressures from the journal in terms of going, well, why didn't you include, you know, sleep drives or something like that? And it, because I, I doubt there's any e-sport journals out there at the moment, so you're going to want to try and publish in traditional sport journals or sleep journals that are out there existing. Yeah, so that's, that's another challenge, that's, actually. Yeah, it will be a challenge, is, yeah. There, I mean, there are no e-sports journals at all. And um, and it's, I think, quite contentious whether or not a traditional sports medicine journal would accept um, a paper about e-sports athletes because it's heavily debated whether or not um, e-sports athletes, uh, sort of, I suppose, are, are actual athletes. Um, so some people will sort of believe they are and some people believe they don't. But, I mean, you must come up against this... Yeah, every day. Uh, every going day, yeah. through the... Um the debate right now whether to include it in the Olympics yeah. so yeah yeah so I think it, it'll be a challenge in terms of picking the right journal to try and publish in I think sleep journals are probably a, a safer bet in that respect yeah but then you might find it difficult with sleep journals because you don't have a lot of PSG measures as you know so it's you're kind of caught between two worlds and I often got caught with this with my stuff spanning sleep in athletes you know, as well um, and then trying to publish in sleep journals or but it happens with other people as well I know other people have done uh, research in weight cutting for combat athletes and the answer back from reviewers was well this is stupid why are we doing this it's like well that's what happens yeah but they shouldn't do it well like we're, we've it happens so we're we're measuring and observing it so you might get yourself into that cycle so it's kind of interesting when we talk about the scientific approach I'm very keen to see what sort of feedback you get um, with some of this research as well so um, another full disclosure Daniel we should all always say this as well uh, let's disclose who who you're doing your PhD with and who your supervisors are. <laughs> <laughs> so so Ian is involved in, in the project uh, quite heavily. <laughs> Hence why he's on a podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so who who is supporting you in this endeavour? Exactly. Actually, we have quite a big team. A really good, actually, I'm a really good team. Um, so uh, there's obviously yourself. There's um, Professor Michael Gradazar, um, who's a primary supervisor on the project. So he's from Flinders University, which is uh, the university I'm, I'm doing it through. That's in Adelaide. In, in, in South Australia. In South Australia, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we've got a um, very wide audience here. We've got some international listeners. Yeah. Um, we've got some people in Rottnest. E- even Rottnest. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, actually do have some, yeah. we actually do have some people who listen from the US. So Rottnest <laughs> is an island just off per 20 kilometers. It's a joke. But anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> and we have uh, some people from Monash University as well. Um, so some sort of friends and, and colleagues of mine who are sort of participating. Um, and and hopefully at some point as well we're going to have some um, 
uh, some people from Korea sort of get on board as well. That's the that's the aim. South Korea, uh, South Korea, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> so you got quite a, a varied team behind behind you in terms of probably sleep athletes, sleep science, yeah, um, neuroscience. You got really a, a great team supporting you. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So it's quite, like I said, quite a varied in. Um, quite a sort of varied skilled team I suppose I mean obviously we've got yourself you know so sleep and performance being being your bread and butter we've got um, yes yeah, so a Michael so who's um, you know a, a professor in, in sleep um, and then um, Gemma Maisie of, of course you know as yeah. well so, so Gemma, Gemma works in our consultancy Melius Consulting and Gemma's doing her PhD she's looking at interventions in industry based type people so fatigue risk management systems. So a lot yeah. of overlap um, with her work as well. Yeah, yeah. So and yeah, there's also while you're on that topic, there you might as well talk about um, the other person who you spoke to during the week as well. Oh, who Tom Clark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so um, for for everyone out there, so Ian um, came across a really cool guy actually. So Tom's from the UK, and he um, he's actually sort of just getting into some some research himself. So he's involved in the motorsport industry, specifically Formula the, the Formula motorsport industry. Yeah, so Formula One, Formula two, three, one. yeah, four. yeah. Um, and yeah, he's got some I think really cool ideas lined up. For, for the sort of work that he's doing. And he's in quite a sort of similar position to myself in the sense that, um, su- very surprisingly, and I didn't know this, but there's not that much sort of performance management research specifically and especially with sleep um, in, in the Formula Motorsport industry, despite the fact that um, uh, that these guys are, for example, traveling frequently between countries and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I think his, his stuff's really cool. Yeah, and we did some Formula work, Formula One work this year through our consultancy, and I tell you, the travel, the media, the the you know the kind of the burden on those athletes. And don't get me wrong, I know they get paid a lot of money, and people go, oh, boohoo, you get paid lots, but it's a tough schedule. It, la- it lasts a lot. It lasts a long time over a you know, good ten months over the year. Lots of travel, lots of circadian disruption, jet lag. You know, you're basically doing a week on, week off, and that week on is crazy with media and driving and practice and qualifying and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's probably intense. Not intense, probably very similar to esport athletes. Yeah, yeah. In terms of gaming um, and exposure, um, so that's quite interesting. Daniel, I'm interested to know with this research, do you think or do you hypothesize that it might have application to other industries? Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, and I know, you know, I know that you and I have sort of briefly spoken about um, potential application for, um, you know, like sort of mining, oil and gas, where there's this been this huge sort of uptake in sort of semi-autonomous um, sort of machinery where people are sort of operating these things remotely. Um, I mean, using, I think... Um, I suppose almost what you might sort of call like gaming controllers in a sense. <laughs> so I think there's there's a lot of overlap in, in that, or a lot of application anyway, in terms of the work that we're doing for, for those guys as well. Yeah. What about into military, uh, specifically drones and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, w- once yeah. again, you know, like, I mean, um, you know, all of these types of devices which are remotely controlled. So, yeah, like I said, drone operators um, as well, um, having obviously a much larger role in military sort of settings these days. I think, once again, um, you know, our research certainly has application there as well. So, Bob, we've got all these different types of people playing these different types of games. We've got these older people, as you said earlier on. They're like 26, so yeah. old. Um, but... Um, is is there a range of games that people play? Do pe- people play like you know from Pong or Tetris all the way up to sort of uh, don't laugh? These are games out there that some people enjoy all the way up to some sort of like you know shoot 'em up type. What kind of ge- what are you laughing at, Ricky? What type of game? What what? Give me a cool game now. It's all crazy. People are shooting each other. Not getting involved. Not getting involved. In this. <laughs> You're involved now, Ricky. What sort of ge- what sort of things are people playing now? That's crazy. What's the latest? I, I don't know. If you d- like. 
I think first-person shooters, anyone can see and kind of go, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. I think if you haven't seen it before, something like Dota is like, what is going on here? I mean, just a bit more strategy. It, well, it, it just depends how how far your gaming knowledge goes. And I've played a lot of strategy games, so I look at Dota and I'm like, oh, yeah, you can kind of make sense. But I think if Ian saw Dota, he'd just... Yeah, I don't even, you know what, I don't even know how you play <laughs> Yeah, it'd be hard to explain. But no, there is. There's a vast range of games that obviously have different aspects and different skill sets from like hand-eye coordination from a shooter game to like Ricky was saying, uh, Dota, which is, they class as a MOBA, which is like a strategic based game. Um, and oh, what, a, in, mo- in, a MOBA? Yeah, I I can't even remember the terminology of it to tell you the honest truth, but that's what they class it as. And basically, it's like a a tower defense game. So each team has a base, and it's a team based game. And there, there, you've got to work your way across the the map and defeat the other team. Should resonate with you. you yeah, I did army. spend five years in the military as an infantry soldier, so we call that just 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 soldiering. We didn't yeah. play it on a game. So yeah, if you want to do that, go out and soldier. You know, see what it's like then when you're lying in the piss and rain, eating shitty food. You know. Getting screamed at and roared at. Maybe try it out before you try again. Yeah, it's much more enjoyable doing it on a computer. Comfort of your own home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating cheese, Cheetos, or whatever. Oh, this war is really hard. Someone's out there going, it is really hard. It isn't fucking hard. So you got all these. And so is there a difference then between the types of athletes that play different types of games? Do people play, you know, I'm using a silly example like Tetris all the way through to one of these first shooter games, Jump or just. Dodo or Dodo, whatever the fuck yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have different types of people that play that. Would, of you, would you get? So is it kind of like a more kind of passive person playing one type of game, more extroverted, screaming and roaring? You know, is it kind of like with athletes where you got some guy who's you know playing tennis is very posh, going oh lab fifteen to the guy who's grunting in the gym, lifting up a big bar, heavy weights, going yeah, let's do this shit. Is it is it like that? Is it really well, different? There is, there's different demographics, like in anything, that will appeal to certain games, but there's not a, a generic. Uh, person that plays one particular game so like your first player shoot is probably a lot more high paced so you know there is a bit more emotion involved and stuff like that but it doesn't mean that person can't won't or play dota for example it's just a different skill set so it just depends what you like some people like hitting a golf ball around some people like like shooting people yeah exactly exactly yeah those people daniel are you going to psychologically evaluate these people like the shooting games you're going to look at sort of different profiles behind them you're going to look at who might be more like (laughs) mental screening you know you know interestingly actually i do know someone i think who is looking into that sort of that sort of side of things yeah i'd also this is another one as well i'd be interested to see about personality types I've actually been thinking about this in terms of industry, um, personality types, you know, extroverts, introverts at a very macro level and breaking it down, maybe using this profile and about who's better at doing certain shift work and so on. Might be another thing to maybe think in the back of your mind about personality types because I think if we self-reflect into some groups, we kind of go, who's this type of person and what kind of games or activity to go to. Um, that may be the difference between a team-based game and an individual-based game. As yeah, well. the makeup of the team. Playing. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of your traditional team-based games is just like your team sports. So, you know, they when they're playing in person with your teammates, you know, you, you live the highs and lows of winning and losing. So. What about gender differences? Is it predominantly men? Uh, yeah, about 74%, I think it is at the moment. So what are you doing male. to improve that? 
<laughs> what are you doing, boy? What are you doing, boy? What are you doing, boy? Get a 50 50. Yeah. Well, there is um, Answer female the question, leagues boy. out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is female leagues out there, and there is. Uh, exclusively female only. Yes, oh, correct. Really? Which I myself, and I don't want to get in this whole topic, but I myself in don't, now. don't believe in because there's, there's no. Genetic um, difference is really for the sport. It's not like boxing where it's going to be. There's no, There's no physical aspect to it. Yeah, so yeah. why sh- there shouldn't be if they were good enough and everyone's good enough to play the game, they should be. I think it's more of a uh, feeling excluded. That's more of the yeah, aspect yeah, yeah, of yeah. it than the actual capability of being able to play the game. Yeah. So they probably, f- um, you get kind of pushed aside a bit more. So the, the blokes just go, well, you're not good enough and they don't really give the ladies a go. But now there are entities out there that are giving these young ladies a go and they're proving that they're really good at the game. So. Th- yeah, and because and, I've done a, like, a little bit of reading, I suppose, about this, and I think there are quite a few policies that yep. are being implemented at the moment, isn't there, yep. to try and sort of increase female participation in, in esports. And I think this is just one of those um, policies. Daniel, have you seen any research or are you aware of any co- sort of cognitive benefits of actually strategically, like do females exhibit better reaction time, better sleep behaviour? Um, anything like that that might be actually a competitive advantage for people because I, I think you could look at it that way as opposed to I'm going to stack my team with more females if they have better reaction time and let's let's face it women are more mature than we are so definitely yeah, more than me anyway that's a I mean that's an interesting question I don't think I can answer it that well but what do I, I mean just from a sleep perspective um, females typically having poorer sleep outcomes than males might sort of predispose them I suppose generally speaking to, to maybe being more susceptible to sleep issues than, than male esports athletes perhaps so as we go deeper into this conversation today, we're probably seeing that there's more and more research to be done in this world of esports, which I think is only a good thing. Like, you know, we're seeing all these issues that need to be addressed. We've got more questions and answers. So as we kind of grow um, into this, hopefully, you know, other academics could be listening to this or the researchers and they're going to start maybe going, oh, we should research this. We, sh- we should do this. And I think this is a great way. Like, you've got a unique opportunity here, Daniel, um, by working on your PhD in this area to be like the founding father of this. Someday you could be 26 and be the, the old man of uh, sleep and performance in, in eSport athletes. So um, That's the dream. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what, what do you think no, about that, Daniel? Oh, no, listen, I, <clears throat> this, is, um, this is something that I... Um, actually sort of wrote a a small LinkedIn post about the other day actually just trying to sort of get the idea out there and that is that you know like research really is the backbone um, of of an industry in terms of I think it's growth like from a performance management perspective anyway you know research is the backbone of performance management you know you 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 know if you don't know or you don't have the evidence to sort of support um, different strategies that you might be implementing I mean you've really got nothing you're just sort of throwing darts in the dark if you know what I mean Um, and this is where I think props to Bo and and Ground Zero because um, you know I've sort of been reaching out to sort of different people in the in the industry and and I've had a positive response from some people other people less so um, you know whereas Bo um, really jumped on the idea which I think is fantastic um, because free labor yeah so you know I think like so I think ground zero for example you know taking advantage of the fact that um, you know of, of being able to sort of get some research sort of collaboration sort of going on because they're going to benefit from it um, whereas teams that that don't you know who sort of I suppose they're coming you know late to the party so to speak um, in terms of getting the access to those sort of findings so yeah I think um, 
you know, more, the more that the sort of esports industry collaborates with researchers, the better for them at the end of the day and better for the industry um, as a whole. Yeah. So, but from a, a representative of, say, Ground Zero or one of these organisations, what do you guys ultimately want to get over in two or three years' time? What do you, how, how do you see this fitting in with your overall strategy? Well, me personally, just in the whole industry, I find it very interesting and I'm a very big sport fan in general and I always like to see uh, any form of athlete performing at, at the best, at the you know, their best capability. So if something that someone's willing to give up their time and do a bit of a research paper in our industry like daniel saying there isn't anyone that's doing anything like this or or anything in general if they want to do a research piece on esports athletes and how to make these guys better and more professional well let's jump on board and get it done yeah excellent so daniel um things are kicking off in your phd now you're starting to collect data you're starting to move forward is that the, is that the plan well yeah so we're we're very very close to um commencing the second study so um sort of collecting data and, and sort of moving ahead from there um so we've got a couple projects um sort of in the pipeline at the moment um some that that obviously grand zero are going to be sort of participating in um and then um hopefully other teams as well um that we sort of link in with just got a, a question sort of yeah, sure. away from sleep um taking into consideration that it's like i think you said a 1.2 billion dollar industry now um i remember briefly vaguely uh, a while back some of the teams in the u.s um getting done for performance enhancing drugs and then they started incorporating what incorporating <laughs> testing um correct me if i'm wrong now yeah. boy when it comes to, to to ground zero is this something that you need to take into consideration when you're sending your teams over to compete internationally yeah. or even nationally um and is that a problem have, have you seen that problem coming up at all and what are your comments on that no i have seen it come up we actually just went to taiwan in november um and because it was run by a governing body over there they actually had a full like olympic style committee drug testing regime so the players we had to sign waivers to basically say they may be subject to a drug test um most of it's like obviously any kind of stimulant of course to give you in heightened senses um so yeah we have experienced it firsthand um there's no drug policy as such straight out there a generic one that you know that's every tournament that someone would do but certain governing bodies and tournament organizers around the world may incorporate or rate something depending on um you know who they are and what they want to achieve out of it basically. Is, is this something you feel like you need to take into consideration when when bringing in new athletes um into your organization or, or is it still sort of too early in terms of where we're at in australia to be considering those sort of things just because obviously there's so many things that need to come before it well 100 percent. it's obviously a consideration but you are right it is very early on in the piece and us still growing as an industry here in australia it's not probably front of mind just yet when they're still trying to establish themselves as a professional athlete before they go down the line of hey we need to win at all costs um but we will like we've already like i said we've already seen tournament organized doing it so i'm assuming these things will become more more industry standard as bigger organizations get involved with these tournaments yeah, the more regulation, the better. I mean, there's still a, lot of, still a lot of work to go, I think, on that front. Um, I read a report not too long ago, and it was about sort of the integrity of, of eSport, and it did sort of, I think, rate performance-enhancing sort of substances as a moderate risk to the integrity of eSports. So there's still, you know, 
to work to be done in that sense. Well, there's big companies that have had to take betting off their websites because they're worried about match fixing and stuff like and that. Because there's big money with in kids the making bets correct. and then betting for skins, which could obviously be later sold for money, and then that came a whole oh, big human thing skin gambling. Yeah. Go, I don't know if you just want to get into explaining skins, but <laughs> in in-game items, basically. So items that make your weapon or character look, look different. Yeah. With a brand power for us, yeah. it's too many, too many new things here. I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad you're here today. Get involved, in get involved. <laughs> pure, pure, pure accident. What do you mean get involved? West? No, I went. We're when you were, we set up a no, line here. Little. No, when you, when you were, when you were gaming, Ricky, I got a PhD. So I was after getting involved, right? So, you know. <laughs> yeah, in a couple of years, I'll have a PhD and be gaming too. A couple so. of years, oh. two years, a couple of years, well, two years. Maybe right, more Ricky. than a couple. But yeah, okay, yeah. Let's let's say by the time I'm your age. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's like the old thing huh I'm gonna go and kill the master <laughs> this ain't Japan man I fucking hit back <laughs> right so we had a good old conversation there guys about esport athletes and where we need to go in the future um, I feel like I was the only person who wasn't serious in the room which is uh, unusual but it's a whole new area for me but I am quite interested to see where it goes um do you think, uh, final probably question, Daniel, do you think there's commercialization and this type of work going forward for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in an Australian context, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. Sort of moving forward in the next few years, I wouldn't imagine, Bo. Um, but certainly, I think in more well-developed and sort of more, sort of more mature markets, for example, you know, the US, Western Europe, Asia, um, I certainly think, um, you know, that there is a lot of opportunity in that sense. Excellent. All right, Daniel, if people want to get a hold of you, they want to contact you, they want to follow you, what sort of social media handles are you using on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram? Uh, see, I do know some of those type of things, gentlemen. Uh, Snapchat, maybe, whatever else you're on. <laughs> Flickr, Facebook for the older people, Tumblr. What else, Ricky? I cover them all. MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> hey, 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 I ain't that old. <laughs> So what's your handle? Oh, yeah, the best. I mean, the easiest way to get in contact with me is uh, is email. Yeah, is email. Yep, hundred percent. So you don't have a Twitter account? Nope. LinkedIn, yeah. maybe. LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn. You can get in touch with me on LinkedIn as well if you oh, like. So we'll put your link to LinkedIn. On yep. Link to LinkedIn on the show notes and your email address. Yep. So you are an esport athlete and you're not on Twitter. Nope. An esport athlete <laughs> researcher, sorry. One of the few, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Daniel, get on there. Yeah. Because there's millions of people just waiting to be outraged. Yeah, so I actually get just asked Bob about this the other day, didn't I, Bob? Get, yeah, get, yeah. Get, into, get into the cesspool and argue with idiots. <laughs> get in there and do it. It's awesome. It's so good. And the first person you should follow is Donald Trump. It's just highly entertaining. It's brilliant. It's really good. So, yeah. So, that's the action now today is Daniel needs a Twitter account. It is good for public putting your research out there. You can choose your own event on Twitter. So I would highly recommend that. But what about you? How can people follow you or do you not want to be followed? Oh, no, I'm fine. You can follow Ground Zero Gaming OCE at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, every other social media you network you of, mentioned yeah. before. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, yeah you have some um, things. Yeah. I'm going to jump on there and follow this. I'm going to start um, understanding what's going on. I'm going to start, you know, getting, I'm going to become, well, I'm going to become and get a team. Like, so this year I've been working in Formula One. So I'm like, you know, I've have a team now. So I've become a McLaren fan this week for some reason. I don't know why. So maybe I've become a ground zero of uh, team. Well, we are uh, Perth based. Perth based, yeah. yeah. So can you get jerseys? And get yeah, we got, yeah, we got a website we got with merchandise, full merchandise everything. store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can we get Ian a jersey? So, so yeah. I, just, I, just, <laughs> I just, I just noticed you came very empty handed. Oh, you walked yourself into that one. We'll get Ian a jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. You have to buy those skins, Ian. Yeah. 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 Is the jersey made in rod and gun? Because I can only wear old man clothes. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Rod and gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
point in case, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's like I walked into Lululemon the other day and I was like, oh, you got all these new clothes. And the lady was like, have you got Lululemon stuff? Yes, I do. Because the older and fatter I get, the more it stretches and the more comfortable it is. And Ricky, if people want to follow you, the producer extraordinaire and gaming specialist, don't, you know, just don't, don't follow you. You on, you on Twitter, Ricky? Nah, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not really on active on Twitter. I try and I don't know. I'm I'm not that active on social media just because I I get very worked up. You're very worked up. <laughs> I do, I do. So I just try and avoid it. I'm just kind of it's more of a family, close friend thing for me, and just I jump on for laughs. So, but I am on LinkedIn. Um, and my email I'll, I'll put in sh- I'll add to show notes I guess so if, you, if people want to abuse ends. you about the sound quality they can they can hit to you yeah I, yeah. I can't blame you anymore <laughs> can't blame me anymore yeah well you can still blame me so we have over the last few months probably been playing around with some different options and today we have a little four way microphone thing we're using here with the zoom so if this works out okay we might stick with this one in the future the difficulty is when we start doing things over the internet that's when it becomes problematic because lots of our guests dial in from the states yeah it's still sort of I guess early days since I've come into the equation so just trying to iron out those initial sort yep. of um, bumps and, and hiccups and, and get a system down where it, where it works smoothly it, it's interesting like the first few episodes people are like oh you know you should buy this and you should buy that I'm like it's a non-for-profit podcast non-for-profit yeah. site <laughs> and you want me to buy like 10,000 worth of equipment dollars worth of equipment that I can't even operate <laughs> I can barely turn on a fucking laptop here like sorry that's why yeah. All right. Any closing remarks, gentlemen? Are we all happy? Did we get everything out we want to talk about today? And we clarify our elsewhere research. Think we have, yeah. 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 Excellent. Look, thanks very much, guys, for making yourselves available today. We will put this up. Um, as always, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify. It's up on YouTube, uh, Overcast, nearly all your popular podcast apps. You can download um, the podcast to your phone or stream it. And also, you can get it via our website, sleepforperformance.com.au. If you want to get in contact with me, Ian Dunikin at sleepforperformance.com.au. You can follow me on Twitter at sleepforperform. I'm on Instagram, sleepforperform as well. And on Facebook, sleepforperformance uh, page there as well. You can also sign up for a monthly newsletter on the website. We promise we will not spam you. We haven't spammed you today and we won't. We send out one monthly newsletter which wraps up the podcast episodes we've done, the blogs we've done, other information we may have released that month as well. And don't forget to head over to sleepforperformance.com.au for lots of free downloads. And if you do like the podcast and you are enjoying these episodes, please share them wide. Also, if you have some time, please leave us a review on iTunes as well. That would be highly, highly welcomed. Wouldn't it, Ricky? We'd like to get some positive yes. feedback. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Until next time, I'm going to drop the mic because I started doing this yesterday on different podcasts. So I'm going to drop the mic. Finished. Finished.